The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome, Philly, to your favorite sports show. Hosted by Jesse Town and Sam Wilson. They're smart. They're sexy, and they're all fit. So thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome into episode number 49 of Babes on Broad. I'm Sam Wilson with my co-host, Jesse Town, and we're the Babes on Broad, brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure, as always, to check out our social media, Babes on Broad on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, our YouTube channel, babesonbroadpodcast.com, all that. And then me personally, at samwills18 on Twitter and Instagram. Then you can find Jess at runthistown with an E13 on Twitter and at Jessica underscore town with an E on Instagram. So this week, we are taking on the 6-3 and three Cleveland Browns at 1 o'clock on Sunday. I'm not going to lie to you. When I... When we were show prepping for this, yeah, I started typing and I was like, what do I know about the Cleveland Browns? And I knew nothing because yeah. they're, they're six and three record. I mean, yeah, it's obviously decent and way better than the Eagles, but they are just such an average, their team. You know what I mean? They're just there. Yeah. I think we're all kind of still in that mindset of like the 0-16 Cleveland Browns. Like I, 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 yeah. I, I still don't actually believe that the Browns can win football games, which is silly to say because they're six and three but like and when they've lost they have lost they've lost yeah but that was also they've only played like those good top teams that they lost to so they lost to the Ravens the Steelers and the Raiders and obviously they're top teams what'd you say the Raiders are not that good they're okay but I forget when they played the Raiders though because the Raiders started off pretty hot Two weeks ago, they played the Raiders. That's a point. Obviously, the Ravens and Steelers are different. Right. The Raiders subject, are but, different. But, I mean, and the teams they beat, I mean, they beat the Bengals. They beat the Washington football team. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. They beat the Colts. Now, that's a that's a better win. because What the was Colts, the score in it, though? Which one? The Colts game? Yeah. Was it close? No. 32-23. Oh, okay. So they won that game pretty handedly. They beat the Bengals again, and then they beat the Texans, who are terrible um and they beat the texans 10 to 7 which is just bad but that was the game didn't that get like postponed because of weather that was like a a a bad there was there was the thunderstorm that went through there that ended up being in i don't know if you watched any of the sunday night game but that 
that storm that ended up in New England. Yeah. Which was awful. That started that way and went. Oh. So their game was actually pushed back. The, the kickoff of their game was pushed back to like a little after 1.30, I think, because of the weather. So that could have something to do with that score or what that game looked like. I really didn't watch much of it because who wants to see that? Yeah. I was, bu- I was busy watching my, my Philadelphia Eagles. But Hello. Um, it's, yeah, so definitely one of those teams that this, uh, the six and three record doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. Yeah, but at the same time, the fact that they are six and three shows that you can't sleep on them, Obviously. which hopefully is something that'll kind of wake up this Eagles team. Because that's the thing. I mean, we played division games the last couple of weeks, which always you want to think are like you want to win these games and must wins because they're division games. Mm-hmm. You would think that'd be enough, but apparently it hasn't because they've been playing down at least one side of the ball has been playing down the last three games that they've had against division rivals. So hopefully that kind of wakes them up. Um, this Browns team majority, even though like coming into it, cause they had Baker Mayfield and like when the team started turning around, they had Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, they did have OBJ. They the had some weapons around when they lost OBJ. Uh, yeah. And, but that's what I'm saying. So when they started to turn around, like, as a franchise and they got all these players, you would think based off the names that there would be this high dynamic offense with pass game, but it's actually been very opposite of that. And you yeah. said OBJ he's out. He tore his ACL. What? Three weeks ago. I think it was longer than that, but I could be wrong. I, I don't October, remember. I think. Yeah. It was in October. I don't remember which game specifically he tore it. I don't remember, but yeah, out with a torn ACL, which is unfortunate, but you're, you're absolutely right. Their run game has really been what's, what's been, I, I mean, making them so successful. And with the two guys that they have in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, now Nick Chubb was hurt for a little bit, but Kareem Hunt more than, you know, took care of things while he was gone, but having two running backs that are as good as, as they are, being able to wear down a defense by running the football is, I, I mean, it's the best thing you could do. It's what we would love to see Miles Sanders do if Doug Peterson would allow that to happen. But I mean, to this point, Kareem Hunt's been averaging 4.7 yards per carry and Nick Chubb has been averaging 6.1 yards per carry. They have eight touchdowns between the two of them. Um, both had hundred yard rushing performances last week against the Texans. Now the Texans are not very good, but both, I mean, you're, when you're having this is not the first game this season, I believe, that both guys have had 100 yards rushing or at least close to. When you have two guys that are going to both have 100 yards rushing, that is something to I, that, you know, I'm extremely jealous of seeing, you know. And then, you know, Kareem Hunt last played the Eagles in 2017 when he was still with the Chiefs had 81 yards and two touchdowns. And that was what the one game that they lost through September, October and November. So. You know, I mean, these guys are nothing to sleep on. And, you know, obviously they've got guys like Jarvis Landry out there who can hurt you. Now, he was nursing a hip injury this week, but has been a full go in practice. Um, also guys like Austin Hooper who who can hurt you, really talented. And, you know, Baker is average at best. I, you know, I still – I have not been thrilled with him to this point. Um, you know, I think he's been okay He's not been great, but with two running backs like Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, he can get by just being. Yeah, he's all you need. Being exactly. okay is all you need. Now, I think the kind of, you know, the highlight of things that need to be touched on is the injury situation. And 
both teams are, are getting hit right now with some issues with COVID list, exposure, positive tests, et cetera. Um, so talking about the Browns, you know, their defense is coming into this game allowing four yards per carry, which is sixth best in the NFL. Um, so their run defense is extremely good. Their pass defense isn't bad either. The, the pressure that they can get is, is really good. I mean, they have 22 sacks in the year, seven interceptions, but Miles Garrett, is out for Sunday. He was placed on the COVID list. Which uh, is huge. Which is a huge, huge factor. Huge loss for the Browns. Um, huge for the Eagles. Miles Garrett has nine and a half of the 22 sacks for the Cleveland Browns this year. So what, what do you think that means for the Eagles in terms of their game plan for Sunday without having to worry about Miles Garrett? Well, I want to say that it should mean that we're going to see a lot of Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, a little duo. Um, we forgot to mention there's been talk that um, Howard's back. So we'll see that. We'll see if they bring him in and stuff. But you want to say that that means the wrong game's going to be highlighted this week, which it needs to be. But we don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Who the heck knows? And then so we'll see. people's side of the COVID list issues, J.J. Ortega, Whiteside, Vinnie Curry, Corey Clement, and Deontay Burnett are all on the COVID list. Additionally, John Hightower has been out all week of practice with an illness. Now, this is going off of Thursday's practice report as we're recording this at 1130 on Friday morning, but he's not on the COVID list. So not sure if he will be available on Sunday or not. But right now, I mean, you're looking at Jalen Rager. Alshon Jeffrey, Greg Ward, Quez Watkins. Am I missing anybody? Do you get Fulgham? Travis Fulgham. I knew I was missing somebody important. That's what you've got right now <laughs> from a wide receiver standpoint. You don't have any more options right now. So uh, you've, you've got five. Yeah, at least it's no big hit. As of yet, cross our fingers. I hope yeah, knock yeah, on wood. Knock Jeez. on wood, knock on all the wood, Gosh. all of it. All I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe you said that out loud. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> but to round out the injury report, Isaac Sayamalo has had a really good week of practice per Doug this morning. Um, fully expecting to be active and available for the game this week. Nate Herbig is in the plans. Matt Pryor's in the plans. Jack Driscoll's ready to go again. Sue Opedo's ready to go. Hasn't made a final decision on who that offensive line will be, but – it seems like we're getting healthy again and everybody should be should be ready to go. So now that we've covered the injuries, kind of talked about where the Browns are, what they've been doing, what are your keys to the game on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles to be able to have success with some of their big offensive guys? I say big offensive guys, you know, mm -hmm. guys on the offensive side of the ball. Some of their guys being on this COVID list, probably out for Sunday, and the fact that, you know, the, the biggest name on the Browns defense is out for Sunday on the COVID list. What do the Eagles need to do to be successful this week on the offensive side? Yeah, so part of what you just mentioned, Miles Garrett being out, I think we need to see a complete improvement on play calling this week. You have to highlight the fact that Miles Garrett's out. You also have to highlight one of my biggest pet peeves is the fact that Carson is so good out of the pocket. And we were watching that Thursday night football game last night. And you see Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray get out of the pocket rush, and they're absolutely amazing at it. But it's not too far off, if you really look at the tape, of what Carson's ability is out of the pocket. No. And it's just insane that you would not 
focus on that more. We've talked about it previously in our shows in the past. Never so is. that's my biggest thing. We need to see huge improvement in play calling. Get Carson out of the pocket. See the run game without Miles Garrett there. That's going to be huge. And those are by far the biggest keys to the offense this week is improvements in those. Um, going on defense, defense, it concerns me this week. Mm-hmm. Just the defensive line, because their run game, we were just talked about it, is so good on the Browns. And our defensive line, even though they came in and they were the best part of our team, well, supposed to be the best part of our team, we're not seeing that at all. And especially the last couple of weeks, they've been very disappointing. So um, that is going to be a huge, 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 probably the key matchup for me is our offensive line against, or defensive line against their run game. Um, I think. The secondary will should be able to control Jarvis Landry. That'll be Darius Slay, I think, will have a bounce back week and shut him down a bit. But, yeah, so the biggest keys for both sides, play calling, highlight Carson out of the pocket and our run game, especially utilize that Miles Garrett's not there, and then on defense, our run defense against their running game. For sure. What about you? I totally agree completely. I I just don't want to have to say the same thing again next week in our Mm -hmm. negatives of the game segment in our first episode of the week. You know, they need to they need to utilize the bootlegs and get Carson rolling out of the pocket. It again, we said this earlier in the week. We'll say it again. Everyone's talked about it. It took until seven minutes in the third quarter to get Carson moving out of the pocket. Back to back plays, gain 40 yards, and then they left it there. There's absolutely stop. Yeah, there's no reason for it. There's no excuse for it. Um, Not only are they outsmarting themselves at this point, I mean, I think there's arrogance in play calling on both sides of the ball. Um, They're not, they're, they're trying to force their players into a box instead of fitting their system around the players, which is absolutely not the way to go. Um, Yeah. They, they need to stretch the field. They need to get some, I mean, they have no motion at all on, on the offensive side of the ball. They have no pre-snap motions going. They have absolutely nothing outside of vanilla going on for them right now. Um, there's there's absolutely no creativity. There's, there's absolutely nothing there. And they're not utilizing the strengths of their players. And I just don't understand. They're, they're doing nothing but subjecting their players to more hate, more criticism, and more anger by not only this fan base, but every, anybody that talks about sports, anybody that pays attention to sports, they are just getting so much unnecessary criticism that could be eliminated by coaching. And it's infuriating to me at this point that I think, you know, last week we talked about them shooting themselves in the foot and it started with play calling. Then there were also drops. There were bad snaps. There were tripping over your own feet. I mean, everybody played a part in self-inflicted wounds in that game. And I think that it it needs to start with better play calling. It needs to start with a better game plan. I don't know who Doug Peterson thinks they are. Like, I, I understand who he thinks he is, but I don't understand who he thinks is playing. And why he's not seeing what is so clearly right in front of him. And I don't know if he's like, oh, well, that's what they're expecting. And it's like, yeah... But if you execute it, and if you have nothing else that is gonna work, right? Like go with what has potential of working, right? Like you are not putting your players in the best position to succeed, 
And that falls completely, completely, completely on his shoulders on the Mm -hmm. offensive side of the ball. So they need to start getting Carson out of the pocket more. I don't care how many different combinations of offensive lines they've had out there. I understand that that's an issue. And some of the success on offense starts with the continuity of the guys up front. I get that, but you also have three, arguably three hall of famers, potential hall of famers on your offensive line right now. Figure it out. The interior of the offensive line has been pathetic. I understand that. I get it. I do. But you have enough out there to create some motion to be able to put your players in better situations than they have been up to this point. Without Miles Garrett, you have a little extra, a, a little extra, you know, something, something on your side to be able to do it. Figure it out. Defensively, same thing. I don't know who Jim Schwartz thinks he is, or I don't know who is he thinks his players think they are, but good grief, I'm going to need something to change. The self-inflicted wounds, forcing your players into a box, it's really just getting old at this yeah, point. Yeah, what's the point of having a man cover like Darius Slay being so good at that and then not letting him utilize that? Yeah, and playing 10 yards off, I couldn't tell you what the – I couldn't tell you. I absolutely couldn't tell you. But Jim Schwartz started his coaching career in Cleveland. Let's not lay an egg out there. This is the week that their run defense needs to perform at their best level. We talked about it. 200-yard rushers last week. This is what scares me the most. The dual threat of Hunt and Chubb is scary for me going into this week. I'm not scared in the slightest of Baker Mayfield. Make him beat you. Darius Slay needs to follow Jarvis Landry. Cover him like white on rice. I don't want to see this 10 yards off BS. I don't have time for it. No one has time for it. The run defense, I mean, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Javon Hargrave, Malik Jackson. What are we, quite honestly, what are we paying you for if you <laughs> can't get this handled this week? I'm sorry, okay. but I, I'm, at this point, the excuses, they don't really exist anymore. You're healthy. You've got plenty of people that you're paying pretty good sums of money to be executing much better than you are. And the coaches are doing nothing but hurting them at this point. So I need everything to come together. They need to get it together. With that being said, what's your score? So I still think the Eagles are going to win. It doesn't sound like I think the Eagles are going to win. They're going to win. My final score prediction is 21-13 Eagles. I think that the run defense really pulls it together. And and I don't think they hold them to nothing, but I think that they definitely minimize the performance that they are capable of having. I think the defense steps up. I think that they make some adjustments in the play calling this week. Maybe I'm just trying to speak it into existence. Who knows? But 21-13 Eagles. What about you? Okay, so I'm going 2017 Eagles because the only reason I'm choosing them to win because I don't necessarily think they will win based off of how they have performed, if that makes any sense. But The fact that they need this win, like quite literally need this win, because then they have, I don't know the order of it, but they have the Seahawks coming in. They have the Packers. They have, who else? The Saints. So the next couple weeks are huge, huge weeks. So they need this win, like need it so bad. So I think that they're- For sure. Yeah, it, it is. And so because of that, I think they'll play up and I think they will edge out a win like I said, 20 is 17, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be pretty. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a pretty game at all to kind of go off of what you just said. So after this, they play, they have 
some time to prepare because they have a long week. Monday night, the uh, uh, November 30th, Seahawks come to town. Then they go to Lambeau the next week for a 425 matchup with the Packers. Then they come home and have a 425 matchup with the Saints. Keep in mind, Drew Brees will not be playing in that game. Yeah. Taysom Hill most likely will be the starting quarterback. He is the starting quarterback this week. There's no package put in place for Jameis to have any plays in there. So we'll see what Taysom Hill does. If he does, you know, completely poor, maybe we'll see Jameis that week. Who knows? And then from there, they fly out to Arizona, have the Cardinals, um, which, you know, they are their potent offense. And then, they, you know, go to Dallas, play the Cowboys, and then finish up against the Washington football team. So from here on out, I mean, you, you control what you have. Right now, you're at the top of the division. You got to win these games and they yeah, have to hold dig, on. They have to dig deep and figure out a way to do it. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the things that are going on around Philly. You are listening to the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Welcome back into episode number 49 of Babes on Broad. We're close to 50. Maybe we should do something for 50. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll do a little fun thing. We'll see. We'll maybe if it's a celebratory 50, because our 50 will be a recap of this week's <laughs> game. So maybe hold on to that. But there was some huge news huge. that hit this week because of free agency, because of the NBA draft. So just Tell us some Sixers talk right now. Oh, I'm so excited. So, and it, it, what, a, what an absolute week. So the trade window opens, and then there's draft, and today free agency opens. Free agency opens tonight at 6 o'clock. Hell of a way to start yeah. on Friday. Cannot wait. Um, oh, but trade. So I was – obviously the Eagles made me miserable. And then after Robert Covington and Drew Holiday were traded for five total first-round picks, I was – not feeling good about the Sixers' ability to move Al Horford. Um, and if they were able to move Al Horford, I just had a feeling that it was going to be – they were – we were going to have to kind of like, you know, it was going to be a hard pill to swallow of, of what we had to do. Like we were coming out on the bottom of that trade, no question. Like yeah. I was not feeling good. Daryl Morey is – an angel a genius. from heaven. A he, genius. He somehow managed to send Al Horford. So first you get the notification that says, you know, the Sixers are trading Al Horford, a first round pick and a second round pick to Oklahoma City. And you're like, oh, all right, like if they had to, fine. Then you find out they're getting Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson in, re in return. And you're like, okay. All right, then you find out the first round pick is in 2025. <laughs> we will go through another presidential election before that first round pick has, a, has an issue. You know what? We're going to be celebrating a title before that first round pick. Oh, my God. So I'm, I'm on cloud nine, right? I'm like, you know what? Al Horford's gone. We got Danny Green. Terrence Ferguson is not a piece to sleep on either. That's a phenomenal piece coming off the bench in terms of defense, especially getting you some points here and there. Then we're watching the draft. Things are happening. Tyrese Maxey for out of Kentucky happens to fall to you at 21. Defense can score workhorse in the gym. It, it's one of those times where there's like an obvious choice from a big name school sitting there and the Sixers go, you know what? Best player on the board, sign me up. Yeah. What a time. And then you're just sitting there and you're like, all right, they're going to make a pick at 34. Then you see 
The Sixers are trading Josh Richardson to the Mavericks for end the second round pick. Okay, fine. Then you find out that Seth Curry is what they get in return? <laughs> Holy crap. I couldn't even sleep. I was so excited. The two guys, forget the Tobias Harris's, the, the Jimmy Butler's, forget that whole issue of 2019 free agency. The two guys that I wanted more than anything that I thought solved the Sixers' problems were Danny Green and Seth Curry. Those were the only two people that I wanted them to sign in 2019 free agency. That was it. Shooting, defense from Danny Green, and just uh, Seth Curry has one of the all-time best th- career three-point shooting. I players. saw that. He's like second on the list. And higher than his brother. Yeah, that's it's a crazy. Career shooting percentage than his brother. And you just, you love the, you love the family aspect of it. He's married to Doc Rivers' daughter. You just, you loved, you loved the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I am so happy right now. The one, the one thing now, as is, I'm happy with this roster. They're mm-hmm. not done. There's still going to be more, more to be had. You know, you give me a starting lineup of Ben Simmons, toss Shake Milton in there, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid, and you bring the points of Seth Curry off the bench, there are no more excuses for Ben and Joel. None. Mm-hmm. Because these are the kind of guys they need around them. But they're finally putting players around the cornerstones of their franchise to highlight their strengths and build up where they can be successful. And Maury said it himself the other day, like, that's what this team needs. Like, you have literally, everybody knows it, two superstars. Yes. And you have to highlight that. And right now, they're literally in their prime. This is the time to do it. Last year, technically, would have been the better time to do it. But right now is the time that you need to capitalize and doing it or do it and it's awesome to see them actually doing it this finally making I mean, moves. they came out on top of the al horford trade they won that trade mm-hmm. easily. they did really well in the draft and i am so i've ne- i don't I couldn't tell you the last time i've been this content with the philadelphia 76ers i can't tell you the last time i was this happy with the sixers i there's you can you can feel that there is a breath of fresh air within Mm -hmm. the organization and it sucks that it's taken this long to actually put players around Ben and Joel that are going to make them better and enhance their strengths instead of enhancing their weaknesses which is exactly what they've done up to this point Ben Simmons led the league last year in three-point assists with no quote shooters around you get two 40% career three-point shooters around him, good grief. Good Lord. And they still haven't – neither Ben and Joel have hit their ceilings at this point. They need to prove on – obviously, you know, we can can beat a dead horse as much as we want with the things that those two need to improve on. But now you're getting – you know, you get a veteran championship presence with Danny Green. Danny Green's won three championships with three different teams. He didn't have a great year last year, but at the end of the day – this man has got three rings with the Spurs, with the Raptors, and with the Lakers. Yeah, and he knows how to tell them what they need to do yep. to get there. So that's a big key. He knows how to win. They didn't have that championship. And, and you know, Doc Rivers also – things you, you keep in mind. Doc Rivers won a championship with the Boston Celtics with Paul Pierce, Rondo, 
Ray Allen, those egos together, he made them work and he got them a title. He is the man for this job. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I know. And I can't wait to see what happens in free agency. The one thing I do want to see happen in free agency, I still think they need a serviceable backup point guard that can get you some points. That's not Howell Neto. The one guy that I do have my eye on for that is the Lakers just waived Quinn Cook. And he's still young and could give you some serious points off the bench. He's a good ball handler and he could, and he can create things for you. He's more of a guy like a Trey Burke, but better in terms of like, just kind of being able to go in and get some buckets. I mean, the reason that they, the Warriors ended up winning that game one, you know, a couple years ago when they swept the Cavs, the the infamous overtime where J.R. Smith didn't know how, like how much time was mm-hmm. on the clock and didn't know what was going on. The reason that that game went into overtime, the Cavs were winning. Quinn Cook came in and hit some serious shots for them to to keep them in that game. He did a lot of really good things for the Warriors. Again, a young kid with a lot of championship experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm I he's one that I would love for them to bring in. I hope. But there's no like huge names in free agency this year. They're kind of yeah. guys, but that's all the Sixers need. They need a couple mid-tier off the bench pieces here and there. Exactly. They have their superstars. They have their contracts. So like, it's not like you're looking for big pieces anymore. They have the structure built right now. They have the structure built. Thanks they to Maury. Fill it out a little bit more. And thank you, Lord, for Daryl Maury. Yeah. I'm so excited. But that is the end of our episode today. Before we go, we do want to send some good thoughts, well wishes to our buddy Giovanni, who had a surgery yesterday, is in a lot of pain today, hoping he he's feeling better, doing well, and is Eagles, if you're gonna win a game, could you just out, win this one for Giovanni? Please, 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 please. So you Gio, got it, Gio. Hang in there, buddy. You, you got this more than anybody we know. But thank you again for listening to episode 49 of Babes on Broad. As always, thank you to SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, written review, the whole nine. We'll be back for our pregame show on Sunday this week. Make sure to tune in at 1145. Don't forget, catch us live. You can catch us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. We'll also be going live on Instagram this week. So anywhere you follow us, you'll be able to catch us. So make sure to check that out this week grab a drink or your coffee, come pregame with us. We'll talk all things birds and we'll have a grand old time. Once again, thank you. We are the Babes on Broad on BGN Radio. Babes on Broad. BGN.